0: Now, if this is your first time tuning in, thank y'all for joining us. I'm Angela Yee, and with me, as always, is my money team. That's Amina So and millennial money expert Tanya Rapley from MyFab Finance.
1: Woo, hey, woo. y'all. So, let's get into our accountability check-in. How's everybody doing on their goals? I guess let's start with you,
2: Amina. I'm Angela Yee. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're... We're just getting to that point in the summer where everything is slow. All I want to do is just be outside and not actually work. But in the next two weeks, here's what I have lined up: is actually uh, working on book stuff, which let me tell you, writing a book is is hard work, girl. You to gotta actually to the choir. do it. Yeah. How I don't know how you do this. Um, <laughs> this is it's not fun. So actually, getting that stuff. Written and then check into my savings plan. Because remember, I'm trying to save so much of my salary, like a full year's worth of salary. And it is, it's not been easy because all I want to do is spend money on travel. And I feel like I'm depriving myself a little bit. But I have to remind myself that it's an investment that I'm making. So I'll check in with some real numbers in two weeks. I'm
0: watching you, Amina, because, you know, when I do my book, I'm watching everything that you do so I can get prepared. Let me
1: tell you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, speaking of travel, so we went on baby moon. Yeah, so we went to Hawaii. And one of the things that I, you know, accountability for myself is I tend to, like, go... (laughs) go all in when I'm on vacation and just like spend all the money when I'm on vacation and so I kept myself on a budget this vacation and was very mindful of my spending and the husband and I have located an attorney who's going to work with us on our will and our estate plan so we're getting the ball rolling on that because it's one of the things we didn't want to do ourselves like you know messing with the law and trying to do things yourself could (laughs) be the difference between leaving something and leaving nothing so we want to make sure that we do this right so we have identified an attorney to help us
2: with that process. I'll listen to your mixtape message. Messing with the law. (laughs) Messing with the law.
0: (laughs) And for myself, you guys know I had these three properties in Detroit. So one of them is finished. So we just put it on the market. Yay! So now it's time to go really hard on these other ones. And what I really needed to do was get somebody to kind of manage these projects for me. Because it is a lot. Like for me to not be there all the time. Um, You know, it, it is really hard to keep your eye on everything that's happening. So I know I'm a control freak. But I had to hire somebody to manage all of that and get a lawyer That's good. because in the city of Detroit they definitely will give you all kinds of fines and you know blight fines and all kinds of things just trying to um I guess you know it's just a lot yeah and you I had to yeah. kind of take and that burden experts on everything so. off of myself and I feel like you know if I had more time if I was there all the time it'd be better for me but I just had to realize that you know sometimes you have to hire somebody for the greater good so that is uh what I just did so I'm happy to Feel like I have something off my plate.
1: That's great. Yeah, and I know these properties you've been wanting to get those moved. So let's. Mm-hmm. That, I'm, I'm so very so I happy am
0: happy that, that one of them progress. is on the market. So that's dope. I mean, can I? I need to take a trip to Detroit
1: and just like stay, stay at <laughs> no one of, of the houses I'm days. keeping.
0: So you, you guys know, can all. Come what stay are you there. giving me? You guys can come stay and we'll <laughs> have a, a, sh- a sh- money team retreat. A oh, sh- money that team would retreat. be great. <laughs> We can be
1: dazzled our jackets at the retreat. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we received a, a ton of questions from our listeners using the hashtag #LiveColorful. So we're answering some of your questions as a part of each episode. And this first question is how to have a conversation about credit scores, debt, and finance when. Engage. That's a tough one because they're going to find out anyway. Talking to your honey Look, about money. Are
0: they going to find out
1: anyway? Yes. How
2: many people do you not know that have horror stories about how they didn't? Because at the that? end of the day, when your boo to... is like has like hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt or that kind but of stuff, you are going to find out. You are just... t- what you do to dark that because to the because that becomes your debt together once I'm not, you get married. I am not engaged, but I would say that if you were to the point where you were thinking of getting engaged with someone, you should have a very clear picture of their finance. I discuss that with most of my partners mm-hmm. once they get serious, and so it shouldn't be a surprise. You know what I mean? It should already be a part of how you are dating and how you're talking about your life. I definitely
0: had my boyfriend send me his um, credit score. Yeah,
1: money (laughs) money becomes a factor. Like, even if you feel like you're a type of person who doesn't care about money, money becomes a factor because it can affect how you can move in a relationship. And I always say, a relationship is a financial decision.
2: Right, and also, you know, everybody does things differently, but I feel that, like, if you are the kind of person that's going to live with your partner before you're engaged to them, say... Before you move in with someone, you should have had that real money conversation mm-hmm. because, you know, like you're sharing a lease together. You need to know if the other person Possibly, credit worthy. they could get on that lease. I mean, right, exactly. But so that's why I'm a firm believer that it's not just married people that need to be honest about finances. Because the mistake that I see happen a lot is people who actually don't have a future together they don't have a relationship Mm -hmm. future together and then they make financial decisions like people who do Uh, and that's that's big yeah i I mean so it's like don't buy a house with somebody that you're not marrying Mm -hmm. don't be putting somebody on your credit that you're not gonna marry i have a friend who did they bought a house and now they got they didn't get married and they have a half a million dollar house. And yeah. it's like, oh. I have two friends that that happened to and then we all look at them like, do you really thought this was a great so idea? So how you going to untangle this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you
0: know what? The number one reason that people get divorced is because of finances. So it is important to discuss those things and make sure that you guys are on the same page financially at, You know what your motivations are, where you're headed, how you plan to do all those to handle everything for the future when it comes to finances.
1: Yeah, and people always ask me when do you have that money conversation, right? Am I having it on the first date? Am I waiting until we're about to move in together? And I think you should know that person. You should know when like as I said, I've said before, like you gotta watch for those signs and watch for your way in. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you're at dinner and their car gets declined, we need to have a money conversation. Right. Like even if that's a third date because I need to know what type like are you Damn, good? Are you, hey, like, what's
0: happening? Are, like, <laughs> are
1: you okay? Like, if, if, if money is presenting itself as an issue early on in your relationship, then I think that you're well within your means to start discussing money.
0: But definitely right. before you move in together.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a
0: conversation to have because once you guys live together, the financial decisions become decisions that y'all make that affect both of you.
2: Right, and don't tangle your finances without having a conversation. You know what I mean? Even things like opening a bank account together to do groceries and bills. It's just, if you are afraid to ask your partner about their money or you feel like they're not gonna be honest, that's the red flag. That's your sign right there. That's your answer. It's not even what the money situation is. It is the fact that you can't have like an open conversation with that person. And
1: yeah, scheduling those money dates. Scheduling money dates are important. Mm -hmm. So once you decide to go to the next level with that person... Scheduling regular conversations with them to discuss, you know, how do we feel about our finances? How do you feel about your money and so yeah. forth? Me and my husband still regularly. We, we of course, we're married now, so we have to have regular money dates. But we regularly Plus talk about what our goals finance, are. Like. I know, I, mean, I know. I'm like, so, babe, we
2: got to talk about our financial goals and if we're on track <laughs> to reach them. What would it be if my fab finance did not check in with about their finances? Right. Oh, you know, they would
1: that. they would take my <laughs> they take my my fab finance badge. You know, and so and so, I do think it is important to just talk to your partner about are we on track with our our goals, our financial goals that we've established, do we even have financial goals together that we can work towards? Because once you have a plan, you know that both of you are working towards that plan or are not working towards that plan. And if you're not, you need to figure out how to get on the same page. Now, let
0: me ask you this. We also had a listener who was wondering, if you feel like you don't want to join finances with someone you love, what are some solutions to work towards better fiscal health together or get married but keep our finances separate?
2: Well, I mean, this is not a cookie cutter thing. I think that you need to know, you know, it's like whether you put your finances together or you don't, you should know why you're doing that or why you don't want to do that, right? Like, if you are very much like, my money is my money and your money is your money does your partner agree with that? You know yeah. what I mean? And is that a realistic way for how you want, like, are you going to be Venmoing your your partner for every small thing that you guys spend? And so that's yeah. a larger conversation about what sharing it, in your marriage or means. Or it could
0: be that people have different responsibilities. Exactly. Like you pay the mortgage, I pay you all the other bills. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly.
1: And you have to do what works for your household. Like, you know, it's not to say that you have to have like one happy bank account and one happy family. That doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So you have to figure out what works for you, but you also want to make sure that you're being transformed and transparent and that you're informed about what's going on in the other person's financial life because if you're sharing a life you're sharing finances even if you aren't sharing finances yeah. because you're sharing responsibility. some
0: people feel like proportionately like if you make you know 30% more than me you pay 30% more of the bills Yeah. some people yeah. will say we'll split it down the middle some it just depends on what works for <laughs> split you split it down the middle so you level up right. like you level up <laughs> <laughs> right. we
2: pay the same amount <laughs> but, but, but that's why it's important to talk about too right because imagine if you are splitting bills down the middle with like your partner who makes Three times as much money as you do. Mm-hmm. Actually, like twice as much It'd money. Be a little as you resentful. Do. Yeah, we have a conversation. You don't having a conversation. You a conversation. <laughs> You're splitting everything down the middle, and then you and that person get a divorce, which is not an inevitable thing that can happen. It's like, did you actually make money while you were in this relationship? Or were or you were able you just, to save anything? Exactly. Were you able to save anything? Because now, you know, like, so these are. I find that like people don't like to talk about if the relationship doesn't work out because they don't want to jinx it. But the truth is that like nothing in life is guaranteed. And mm-hmm. also, divorce is not the only thing that can split a couple apart. Yeah. And so you really need to be honest about, like, what does this mean for both of us? And how are you happy also as just an individual? You're like how, like, how do I stand in this relationship by myself? And is this something that I'm OK spending money with or money on? And
0: there are certain things that happen, too. Like, some people have issues where a family member might be asking your husband, like, OK, we need money. And he's giving them money every single ah, month.
2: Ta- Tanya God. just, like, recoiled from the microphone. Sorry, Tanya, what yeah, happened? I'm not uh, a sensitive subject in our
1: household. <laughs> right.
2: Sensitive subject in the house. Oh,
0: right. <laughs> but that's, but that's a know, very common issue is. that people have. Like, they have family members that need money, and your husband wants to give that money, or you right? want to give your like, family member from, I money. I come
2: from a culture where, like, people mm-hmm. give their... their parents money all the time i have dated people that were not okay with that arrangement you know because yeah, i was, was like, raised like that you, you right. hold your own but it's the kind of thing where like i i was shocked when i encountered someone who was like what do you mean you don't like you know like you're you don't give your parents money if they need it but the truth is that like we had to come to a compromise where it was like here's my culture here's your culture and if we want to be together we actually need to figure this stuff out yeah. and nobody can be resentful of the other person. And that's an important
1: conversation to have. And especially, you know, like we said, money leads to a lot of divorces are over things such as money or distrust or things surrounding, you know, financial infidelity. So when things are working out and you've explored other ways to try to mend a broken marriage, sometimes divorce is the only option. And you gotta, you have to know like how you're going to complete that chapter because life does go on after divorce. I share with you ladies that I was, I got divorced after being married to someone for six months, and life goes on. I'm married mm-hmm. now. I'm pregnant with a kid. So like my, and I started a business. So my life went on. But you have to think about how am I going to financially prepare for this divorce? How am I going to... And divorce um, costs money, too. Like, yes. it's not free to It get was a more expensive for me to get divorced than it was for me to get married. Oh, and I was 100%. only married for six months, okay? Luckily, we didn't have any assets. But if you do have assets, you have to start to plan for that because... I feel like some people are blindsided by divorce, but for some people, you kind of know when it's imminent and you should start planning for your, your you know, your best financial interest in that at that point.
2: Yeah, that's so, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. So, you know, like, let's get into money, marriage, everything in between. I like that, Um, you know, you're our married woman expert here. Right.
0: <laughs> so I feel like and I'm not going to I'm lie. just
2: going to be bombarding One you. One of the
0: main reasons that marriage is scary to me is because of finances. 100%.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
1: it, it, you really are intermingling your finances and like you know you just want to make sure that you know what that person's philosophy is when it comes to managing money but then also get a feel for their personality type because there's some people i feel like they're going to fight very fair when it comes to divorce and you know some people are going to try to ruin you like you just know their personality mm-hmm. type and like they're going to try to take me for everything so let me start to protect myself and protect my assets right. and so you just have to look for those signs to make sure that you're you're doing what's in your best interest and if you don't have a prenup, you'll want to research and review how assets are allocated based upon your state and your situation because every state is different. Every state has different policies. Some are common law states. Some are common property states. Yeah, it's almost so you like marriage sure is know. a very
2: important decision that you make yes. and not something that you should do you on know, a limb.
1: on a trip to Vegas. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's not that simple. And also, if you had any joint insurance policies or if you had joint health insurance when you are married, you want to make sure you understand your options and how divorce will impact your own personal situation as well as as your children? Like how are they impacted by this divorce if you do have kids? And then lastly, if you don't have property or children together, um determining like the custody of like your pet. So I mean Yo, like, that's real. And now. me and like and oh me and my, my husband goodness. got divorced, like Zori is mine. That's my cat. And Zori <laughs> Zori is going with me. You, you know, know what that? I mean? <laughs> anyway. Do you live in a community no. property
2: state though? Him and Zori,
1: like now that I'm on the road so much, him and Zori have bonded. Like we're on FaceTime and Zori just like walking up to him and laying in his lap. Like hello? I'm like, y'all are really Cheating friends me now, now. but that is my cat. <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs>
0: like that's
1: my cat. But there's things. <laughs> Just wait to, to judge
2: Azuri as which house he want to go to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has no loyalty. You know, like, and so it, it's important to think about those things that we don't think about. You know, like, maybe you bought, maybe you bought a refrigerator together or maybe you bought a computer or someone bought, gifted somebody something. No, like, are they going to try to come back and or take maybe, that and that affects your livelihood?
2: Right. Or maybe the other person is more financially secure than you are. Like, what does it mean for them to give up something versus for you to give up something, right? Absolutely. Is this something that you, did you always think about when you thought about marriage, did you ever think about finances? Because I'm not gonna lie, um, for me, it's always been at the forefront of my mind. Absolutely. Not in the sense that I was like, not like I want to marry a rich person, but I need to marry somebody that is on the exact same page with me about finances, mm-hmm. in how we spend money, how we like save money, and we generally have the same attitude towards it. Because when I've dated well, people, you have to. Not, have
0: that's hard to find. Well, you people. know, so for it me, is, but and and honestly, that's my, you with you know, my
1: husband, honestly, with my husband, when I met my husband, and he's very transparent about this, like I changed his life and he'll admit i changed his life the transformative um, power of love helped with his finances and now he has excellent credit My and everything fab love. <laughs> else but he, we weren't on the same page but he was willing to do the work to get yeah. to meet me where i was and that was important for me for someone who was willing to put in the work to meet me where i am or willing to do the work to become your financial equal they may not come into that relationship your equal but they should work no to become i agree your with you and that's what i mean
2: by like for me it's not about an actual dollar amount right yeah like, i'm not saying like i'm not gonna date somebody or marry somebody who makes less money than me who has a different background mm-hmm. than me like god knows like i have hustled my way to be where i am and a lot of people can do that but i find that like if you don't have the same attitudes about this stuff it's gonna come you know even something like just like how you feel about like buying things and like spending money or you know like Picking up the check every once in a while for our friends, yeah. I just find like those are all flags for are we compatible? And I think like that I, I think it depends though be because
0: I think we can also learn something. Like I want to be with somebody that I can learn something from. Yeah, yep. and I know sometimes I can be very liberal with my money, so I don't mind being <laughs> with somebody that is more frugal than I am Mm -hmm. and you don't have to always
1: be financially yoked I think that you also want to understand like one of my friends has this good policy where her and her husband list out what's important to each other and then like whoever the thing is most important to like say they rated a 10 and the other person rates it a three if it's a 10 for somebody else and it's important for them if it's three for both of them it's not really that important so you have to figure out like what your negotiables are in your relationship what you want and like what you you could care less about because there's no point about, you know, like what you could care less about is not a deal breaker. But the things that are the most important to you about money management, like being able to help a family member if they need money or, you know, deciding like you're going to pay for your children to go to college. Like you guys have to be on the same page about that because that is a major financial
2: decision. But the
1: smaller things, like who picks up the tab, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean,
2: but you know like when you're dating a stingy person and you're yeah. like, I know that I am not stingy, but you know that it's not a thing they want to change about themselves. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like if to- And you might want to value that about them. My ex-boyfriend was so
0: stingy, but he would buy himself like- you know, really nice things. But then it'd be my birthday, and oh, uh, see, that's a present. He would get
1: me. The <laughs> I love worst. how you like went <laughs> And you know, and
0: listen, I'm a very generous person when it comes to buying gifts. Yeah, like, I like to buy people things that they might not even buy for themselves. Yeah, you know, that's to me the point of a present. My ex- I feel the same
2: way. So that's like, my love language. Yeah, somebody
0: at my job made a homemade purse for you. Like,
2: like, like I don't want this. Your like, birthday. And so wow. That's my so love life. I can't give you my homemade purse
0: that
1: I made. <laughs> like birthday. I'm not what that person. Nice. Her name was. Not, okay. that's not sentimental <laughs> for me like that's no and um, that, that is important about understanding your love languages so me and my husband yeah. did the love language test mm-hmm. my love language I number one was gift giving and really? like gift that's receiving like receiving my, gifts like, and day, that was his last one, one. and we looked at each one. other like hey well you don't <laughs> but care you know about what gifts know it matters well, to me <laughs> but, and you know. I told him like sometimes for people who like receiving gifts it's about the sentiment, sentimental value oh, that goes into it it's not like about a dollar you could give amount. me a bouquet of flowers and it's like the way that you deli- you gave it to me like on an off day or whatever like last time I went home, my husband met me at the airport with flowers. Aww. And it was that was his first time ever doing that now that he knows my love language. Mm-hmm. But it was just like the bouquet cost $16. But like we, it just changed. Like I, he was late picking me up. I didn't even care because I have flowers. And so it's just like understanding someone's love language is also really important. Well,
2: so, it, you know, I think that this, it goes back to everything that we talk about, right? Like, should you do a joint bank account? Should you get a prenup or whatever? The answer is that you should talk about it. Yes, because communication is the key. It's like there's not a cookie cutter answer to everybody needs a prenup. Even though I do think everybody needs a prenup, but there's probably not a or postnup. Yeah, you know, yeah. like post-nup you too. need you just you need to talk about it because if you don't talk about it, imagine something that you've never talked about with someone, and then on the hardest day of your lives, you're confronted with it. Of course, everybody's gonna act a fool. You know, yeah. like what if somebody's
0: really against doing a prenup?
2: Then you guys. Well, but you you need to ask that. why they're against it. Like, why yeah. are you against? Oh, so you think our marriage
0: isn't gonna last. Well, no, but it is.
2: <laughs> but it is true. It's like if you think about People like think that. Listen, if you think about the ways that like women are traditionally like the ones that are come into marriage with the least amount of assets mm-hmm. and that make the least amount of money, there are a million incentives for why like. People don't want prenups because they're like, fine, like I married you, you came, I have more than you. And of course you're going to leave here with less than me. But also like it depends what state you live in. I just think that with all things, you should have an open communication line. And the first time that you talk about something shouldn't be on the crisis day. It should be on a day where you had agreed on a plan and then now you're confronted with hard things because it's very naive to think that the hardest things in life are not going to happen to you mm-hmm. and you know what a prenup
0: is whatever you want it to be exactly yeah. like it's not like you come with what you you leave it what you came with. And <laughs> it doesn't work it like does. that right? yeah. because, because listen in some states our community wanna, property yeah.
2: states so whatever it doesn't matter It the amount of money that you make together when you're married actually doesn't matter but if you came into a relationship like I have my mom died I have jewelry that my mom left me if I ever divorce somebody that joy that's does not, not belong yours. to them. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know what I mean? Like in a very yours. real right. like I and it has nothing to do with how much it costs. It's like this is my dead mother's yeah, it's sentimental. And yeah. I cannot give it to somebody. And when and that's, divorces, something, nasty, right, and that's something nasty. Right. And that's something that I came into a relationship with. And that you know, and that's something that's important to me. And it's important for my partner to respect that. Well, right. Yeah. But some people you get a nasty divorce and they take everything you came with. And divorces are very expensive. Well, they can be right they, can be, especially they do if you cost money there's a state
0: filing fee that's usually children, 150 involved. to 200. Yeah, it's
2: harder to get divorced than it is to get married. You could just show up at a chapel in Vegas and people marry you. But Getting it does divorced, depend cuz you also
0: have to consider hiring an attorney. They usually charge a basic retainer or engagement fee. That's about $750 or more. Now that's the down payment for your attorney fees that you mm-hmm. pay up front. So think of it as a balance that they'll deduct from their fees until that those fees run out. So attorneys mm-hmm. will charge hourly fees. From one hundred to five hundred dollars an hour. So, what are some ways that you can save on divorce costs?
2: should email people instead of calling them. Because... That's what I say. It's
1: cheaper to keep them. <laughs> it's cheaper to keep them. But sometimes, be, like I would also say, be wary of budget attorneys because sometimes, like if your attorney is not bringing like a bringing a knife to the gunfight, you're going to end up losing, you know, your money and some of your assets that you probably were yeah. were vetting vetting for in that divorce proceeding. So, budget doesn't always mean that it's the best. So, you definitely want to make sure that you ask for recommendations ask for other clients that they've worked with and so forth and then also you, one way to make sure that you save is to make sure you have all your financial information and documents together instead of having to waste time going back and forth getting mm, them together because time hours. is money they <laughs> no. are billing you for that time are you getting your stuff together so come to the table with your stuff together so it's like this is what we're doing boom bang bow let's get it done
2: Right. And also, like, know your own state laws. If you have a prenup, you should research and review how your assets are allocated based on the state that you live in and your own situation. If you had joint health insurance, which most married people do, you have to understand what your options are and how divorce is going to impact your own personal situation. Like, does that mean that you're going to have to pay COBRA? Does it mean that you are going to have to find your own insurance immediately? That's something that you should know. And even if you don't have any property or children together, you still have to determine custody of pets, for example. Yes, so your
0: cat is yours, Tanya. Zuri is going with me, listen. <laughs> Zor- right. Zuri is somewhere filing.
2: He, he's somewhere, he's on our, our kitchen
1: floor where it's going, nice and cool, not worried about neither one of us. Yeah. So well, besides
0: having pets, having kids, <laughs> that's expensive also. Yes. Yeah. Now, Tanya, I'm looking at you right here. How do you prepare for having a kid?
1: Yeah, so, you know, yeah, definitely our cat was <laughs> completely different, um, especially as an Baby <laughs> from finance <laughs> even though we do have like leave a cat, a cat sit- at home alone we do have a cat sitter for our cats when we go on vacation our cat is bougie he does not like being Ooh. boarded so we have to have someone come to the house Zuri out
2: here staying he at does, the cat he does hotel. not think he's a cat he <laughs> did not
1: understand how they were communicating he's like what is this um, so that did I mean I won't say my cat prepared me for my child but it, <laughs> it, it definitely did help me begin to start thinking about things that we wanted to do and for me it was really you get, like pet
2: emergencies and stuff like that. You yeah know? so
1: for me it, me and my husband it was making sure we had an adequate amount of savings so that if something was to happen we had enough money to pay our bills and so that the child would not be impacted. As you guys know I'm aggressively eliminating debt so that I'll be debt free when this baby arrives. So Woo! there's like one last thing that I'm worrying about when I'm on maternity leave. Um, understanding your options when it comes to going on maternity leave and knowing what maternity leave is like in your state. Like, do they, how long can you afford to go out? Are they paying you? Are they only paying you half of your salary? How much money do you need
2: to carry yourself throughout that? And if you're thinking about leaving your job and you're an entrepreneur, you should think about those like maternity benefits that you're leaving behind. And
1: that's another reason we waited two years into my business is because I wanted to make sure I had health insurance. Like, I, I... I, yeah. I just want to make sure that I had adequate health insurance and health coverage so that I had as many options available to me in my prenatal care as possible. And so like it is doing that, making sure you have your money set aside for it. And then also how's your money gonna carry you if you don't bounce back like you thought mm-hmm. you would? Yeah. Like if you have to get a, you know, a cesarean and you're out longer than you thought you would be or you're not able to work, do you have money to cover you in that interim? And then
2: you have to think about paying for your kids' education, if you want yeah, to pick and in child care.
0: School, child care all of is a things. whole
2: rent. When my cousin told me how much you paid in ch- Childcare. I had to sit down, and I was like, "I guess I'm never having a kid." Or, you know? they, or I'll be home, Ooh. and they'll be with me everywhere, and there'll be no childcare. And
1: there are different options, you know. Like, so we're we're looking at doing a shared nanny instead of going yeah. to childcare because we're both entrepreneurs. So we're looking at doing a shared oh, it's nanny. like a
0: carpool nanny. It's like, like a- it's like
1: a nanny who like watches other entrepreneurs' <laughs> no, kids and so forth. You know. And, and so I, I, and so well, thinking I'll about like doing an Uber
2: for nannies. I love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the thing about how we
1: grew up and everything. Like I was, uh, I think I was telling you when we were off air. Like I grew up, I did have a nanny growing up because my parents were in the military and so my parents would have to be stationed elsewhere for like both of them would be in like North Dakota for six months mm-hmm. at a time and so we had a nanny so that we wouldn't disrupt our lives and so forth and she was really affordable like when I say nanny people are like y'all were balling but it's like no she was mm-hmm. really affordable and um but my parents were always very conscious of ensuring that we took care of our own financial responsibilities so it was like I cleaned up my room. Like, she did not work for me. My mom was very clear about that. And when I became old enough to get a job, I worked. Like, I was buying my school lunch and everything. Yeah, you were telling There wasn't really an allowance. Like, my mom really wasn't big on allowance. Yeah, I never was had like, allowance either. Yeah, my mom was like, uh, you... You, did you eat dinner? But, the way, but, but the way but that, like but an the an way that your, your parents taught
2: you about money was that you had to take care of your own lunch and take care of, about your own registration yeah. fees. So, so there was got, no right? allowance.
1: But as soon as I got a job, I started paying for my own school lunch. My mom made sure I knew how to handle financial but obligations. How old were you then? I was, like, I was 14 and a half. And I was bagging groceries at Winn-Dixie. And my what mom would be like, do you, you want to buy these Reebok classics or do you want to eat lunch this week? You what were like, you Reebok classics. And so so I learned how to sign. You weeks without lunch. I learned my Maybe lesson I will never forget the Air Jordan 3's came I out stuff. and I bought them with my with my little paycheck and I didn't have lunch money so I was telling Amina like I learned how to play spades for money for five so dollars like, at
2: a time five dollars a hand yes yeah. yeah, so that
1: I could buy lunch because I spent all my money on Jordans but it also made my me more Jordan. responsive <laughs> and I still love sneakers to this day you probably will catch me with a pair of Jordans on I love it. but it, I think it is important to think about how you plan to raise your children when it comes to money and mm-hmm. like are you guys going to give them an allowance or are you you're gonna be like my parents and be like, no. But when you get a job,
2: and this is something that like you and your husband talk about, like how like how long are you gonna support your own child? And yeah, you know, that's Because I, that, I imagine that you were raised differently.
1: I was raised that as soon as you're 18, you're out this house. Right, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mine like was 17. Out this house. It was <laughs> like you're out this house. Even though I did like call my parents and borrow money like throughout the time, they were there to help me. But it was also like we are not your lifeline. Like we're here to help you, but you have to figure yeah. things out. Yourself, And I, I, I do want to create it so that my child is financially supported to pursue their goals and dreams and fail if they want to and know that they have support. But I also don't want them to feel that they don't have to work and don't value money and don't have a work ethic so it's just like it's balancing between like providing but also helping them establish work ethic
2: I'm gonna watch how baby five finance turns out Listen, before, let me I, tell you deci- something, before I decide baby, if, I <laughs> if I can handle anything this
0: baby is gonna be a money maker I already know already like we're already. already
2: monetizing this pregnancy Listen, <laughs> this baby is gonna come out with a book at like one month old I'm into it I'm into it <laughs>
0: that so I'm going like
1: uh, what is DJ Khaled's son like already has so producer Asad. credit Asad, Asad producer Asad has producer Listen. credit like I'm like, Asad Asad like broke blue since IV the water happened. broke <laughs> the, those babies are goals like they have credits they have points on records and everything yeah, else, blue so. ivy's
2: out here rapping and you know, know family business
1: own family business and that is somewhat of a family business it could be a great way to bring in a source of income right. and then also spending more time with your kids because asad might be in the studio with dj Khaled, you know so it's like finding ways to incorporate your child in your life so they learn the value of work ethic but they're also like they're also able to earn their own money. And, they're and able for to them to have
0: things. a bank account at an early age, they have done studies that show that kids that have bank accounts when they're young are actually way better with money as they get older. And when you explain mm-hmm. different things to them, like budgeting and what yeah. you're spending money on and the value of it, and just all of those things are really beneficial. And there's all kinds of apps where people can actually... Uh, donate money for your kids so mm-hmm. say they put money into your child's bank account when they lose a tooth you know they get a little alert a collective tooth fairy yeah so that people can be like it. okay everybody gives $5 or you know any mass this is just like birthday. how your
2: piggy bank works at home I'm
0: like, listen <laughs> okay, i'm monetizing yeah, my child yeah. <laughs> Angela's baby is going to be well taken care of too i'll be like it's too. good like, luck give if me... you get my baby money <laughs> it's give a community less. effort
2: it's a community effort <laughs>
0: yeah hi marsha
1: it's
2: Amina. Hi, how are you? It's Hello, nice. how are It's you? nice to meet you. And Marcia's hey, Angela. Nice good to, good meet good to meet you, you
3: also. Hi, um, Angela. Nice to meet
2: you. Can you introduce yourself for our audience and let us know who you are?
3: Certainly. My name is Marcia Barnes and I am the founder of the Finance Bar.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the Finance Bar bus. Now, how did you come up with that idea?
3: Well, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina and food trucks are insanely popular here. Um, And I knew that in the personal finance space, one problem um, that a lot of us see not only in my community but worldwide is that personal finance is not a topic on college campuses, nor is it at a lot of major corporations. So I came up with the idea for just (laughs) that reason to literally meet people where they are on their finance journey. So I use the bus to take it to different campuses to talk to students, to different corporations, to talk to their employees and then areas where, you know, finance, people never hear about it like homeless shelters. So that's really how I came up with the idea of the mobile concept of the finance bar.
0: I love that whole concept because it's like, we're bringing it to you and some people who might not have never thought that they should go to an institution, it's a lot less intimidating and it's something that's just convenient.
1: And guys, have you Absolutely. seen the, the bus's name, Maggie? Have you seen the bus? Yes, the it's amazing. so cute. So, Marcia, <laughs> what about the mission of the finance bar?
3: Well, the overall mission is is kind of what I just stated. You know, when I started this journey, I felt like there is a place to go if you had a certain level of wealth. And then for people to go if they needed help. So when I say need help, that means that you may have needed some type of government assistance. But then you think about the person in the middle, someone that they may make a decent income. They may have maybe they're entrepreneurs. Maybe they have degrees. I felt like if you didn't have a certain uh, level of money or a certain amount of assets, where could you go to talk to someone about personal finance? And I thought about that really hard because I come from the banking industry. And while you can go to a bank, you can go to a bank, but then you're also going to be sold a product. So right. there is a trade, there, there's a trade off of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what my true mission is, is what about the person, they may have a great job, but they're still, still living paycheck to paycheck. I wanted to fill that gap. So that's really how I came up with not just the concept of the, the mobile bus, but the overall concept of the finance bar. Marcia,
0: I love that. You know, I have a juice bar in Brooklyn, and we do this finance series called Wealth Wednesdays once a month. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same concept. Like uh, all the customers that come into the juice bar, instead of them having to make appointments and go places, and we've had, you know, people like State Farm come through. Tanya's been there. I've been there.
1: A. Yes. Also,
0: <laughs> and it's really just for like residents in the neighborhood who come to the juice bar who might not have, you know, think about accessing this information otherwise.
3: Uh, just to give them that outlet. I love. Yeah. It's, I think it's just, it's so necessary because people think, you know, when you have, I, I truly believe is that when you work at a certain place or you have a certain level of college education or just education in general, that they feel that you have your personal finances all together. Mm-hmm. And as long as people think that we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with that idea. And as a person, you'll begin to say to yourself that what I'm doing is the right way to do things. And then you'll never find yourself out of a financial struggle. So the finance bar is just really centered around not leaving anyone behind on this journey, regardless of where you are in your personal finance challenges.
2: I love how creative this idea is because, you know, a lot of people have also creative ideas, but they don't know how to execute them. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you really struck that balance between having doing something that nobody else is doing, executing it in a way that is really, really cool. Um, but I'm really wondering, like when you were talking to people, uh, potential customers, the other entrepreneurs about the idea did people believe in the concept immediately or did you have to really prove yourself first?
3: Um, I think I really had to pr- improve myself, you know, from the very beginning. I remember being at an event here in Charlotte. Um, and I won't mention names, but it was one. I remember a journalist. She name came up names. To- name My- names, Marsha. Call them out. Call them out, Boo. Here's the, here's the funny thing is that I actually can't even remember what her name was, but later I was. That's went the best her- revenge.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm like, I hope but- it wasn't me because I'm in Charlotte a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't you but i remember her coming up to my bus and she said to me you know she got on the bus and she said how amazing it was but then she made the the uh comment and said well this is what you do but do you really know what you're talking about Whoa. at the time you know i felt i didn't feel defeated but I, it, it was just a a sign for me not only as a woman but as an african-american female to say that you are going to have to prove yourself in the industry because you did something that was different and and had never been done before not by an individual i think there are a few you know banks that may have some type of mobile option available but i did feel like i had to prove myself because what i was doing was so different it was outside the norm how would you make money from the bus i got that question all the time i even got turned down for a lot of interviews because i refused to share how much money I have had earned from the bus. And I didn't feel comfortable sharing that because that was never my goal. My goal was to sincerely help people on their journey that couldn't get the help otherwise. So I think very early on, I felt I had to prove myself, but now I don't because it's just something that I truly enjoy doing and I love helping other people.
0: Well, along those lines, your services are a lot more accessible and affordable than some might realize. Now, what do people say when you told them you wanted to offer financial guidance for just $10 a month?
3: Uh, For the members club, they loved it because where else could you go for financial guidance for $10 per month? So not only in in the finance bar members club where they get it, I'm able to bring in experts, some of my peers in the financial industry to be able to share this information with other people. So as an example, if we're talking about investing, I'll bring in an investing expert where else could you go to get that information? If I'm talking about real estate, then I'll bring an expert that's, you know, that they're, they're fluent in that area. So I think it's very helpful because when you're dealing with people that they're already, many of whom are living paycheck to paycheck, or at least they think they do, then to get them to pay money for financial guidance, that could also seem like another burden for them. So I really wanted to make it at a price, a price point where many people could simply afford, I mean, $10, a month. That's less than a Chick-fil-A meal per day. So I didn't want it there to be any for people to have for not being able to join in to get the information they needed. And you know we love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. We love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> well, Marsha,
1: you know, I remember so Marsha and I were part of a group called the Frugal Fat Five and we were making finance a, br- a brown girl thing. So I remember when she came to us and I told us. This. Yes, and she told us about this concept. We were like, oh my God, it's going to change the game. But you were still working at your full-time job. And so you decided to finally go ahead and go all in, and that was leaving the safety of your full-time job. What made you decide to go ahead and do that and make that transition?
3: Well, two things. So number one, when I, when I decided to take the finance bar I went public and I was in the local paper. I was in the Charlotte Observer and I got to work that morning and I started to receive all of these emails from my peers at work. Like, Hey, congratulations. I even received an email to be on like the, the podcast or the media outlet for the bank. Right. But then <laughs> another, e- another email came from HR and they were like, wait, what are you doing? Because if you read the paper, what the headline said is, Corporate trainer of local bank launches finance bus, or it was something like that. Well, I work in the finance industry, so you can see how those lines could be blurred, right? Mm-hmm. So I could so at that point I felt like I'm I'm doing too much to be working here, and it's time for me to move on. But I also think it was me being around Tanya, people like you having friends in the industry that are also doing this thing. And I just really love doing it. So once I got to a point financially to be able to do it and earning money in my business, I just
2: kind of launched out. I didn't think about it and I just left. I love that. Accountability is so important. Don't we know it. And <laughs> you know, like we talk about that constantly because otherwise I would not be getting any of my goals accomplished if I didn't have, <laughs> if I didn't have people to hold me accountable. Another thing that I think is so cool is that you turned uh, you turned the business into a nonprofit. And, you know, like, I think that's really cool because the, your mission is fundamentally to help people. Um, can you talk to us about the process behind making that decision and like uh, how it changes what you do? Yeah, certainly. So the first part, the, the first product that I launched for the finance
3: bar was the bus. I never intended on the finance bar to be a full-time business. When I launched the bus, the bus was launched as a 501c3 nonprofit because that was my mission. However, the more I started to begin doing it, the more people wanted me to actually work with them personally. So there's the finance bar coaching suite that is a profit side where I'm also able to speak, write for national brands. But then the nonprofit side, and I feel like what the nonprofit, nonprofit side does for me is it keeps me focused and humbled on my overall mission. So regardless if the side is a profit side or the nonprofit side of the finance bar, my overall mission is the same, regardless of who I'm talking to. So I just think that it just keeps me focused on why I truly started this business in the first place.
0: So for people who are now saying, okay, I haven't been to the finance bar yet, but I want to do it. What happens when somebody makes an
3: appointment with you to visit the finance bar? Just walk us through what a consultation is like. Well, a consultation with the finance bar, if you want coaching, the first thing we identify is number one, what your true goals are. Because I don't, you know, cookie cutter financial planning doesn't work for anyone because it's really based on what you do. So I often tap inside their money mindset first, where are they truly dealing with? Why why are they seeking help now? What changed in their life that they really want help? That's where I really start as we take a really a couple of weeks to work on that first because it's a lot of digging in internally. And then from there, we begin to work on your goals, to look at the facts of your situations, the data, because once you have individual's data in front of you, everything else tells a story in itself, but everything else is pretty much black and white. So that's how I like to keep it with my clients because it's not me telling you what you should do. It's your numbers currently showing you what you are able to do and what you're not able to do. So that's how my process pretty much goes. And that's whether I'm talking to someone in the coaching suite or it's a client that comes on the bus to speak with me. What are your emotions behind money? How can we get past that? What's the data? What are your goals? And let's go from there.
1: So you mentioned coaching and you coach quite a few people, but can you break down some of the other services you offer? I know that you mentioned a few, but can you just dial back and um, mention those so that people can hear how you're monetizing, I guess, the finance bar and your business overall?
3: So in addition, in addition to coaching and the buzz then I also write for a lot of national brands, I also speak for a lot of national brands. I'm also an adjunct professor on the side because I'm a true believer and I love, you know, educating people in general. But the way that I truly monetize the finance bar is number one, through my members club, which is $10 a month, which is my best selling product, uh, I'm sure for obvious reasons. But on top of that, then I have coaching. Then I also speak for national brands and I also write for national brands. So all of that, those streams of income is how I pretty much monetize the overall vision of the finance bar. Wow,
2: you are doing a lot, like a lot, (laughs) a lot, a lot. You know, also so many people think that like this life, the life of being an entrepreneur is like pretty glamorous. You're always high energy. You are getting things done. You're out there, your face is, you know, like people know who you are. But uh, you know, the truth is that like all entrepreneurs make sacrifices. So, mm-hmm. can you talk to us about some of the sacrifices that you've had to make?
3: God, I think my I think that for the finance bar, the finance bar is a, is a heavy lift for me because you as as you mentioned, I have to do so much on so many levels. But some of the sacrifices for me personally is I felt like. For years, I haven't taken a true vacation where I haven't been thinking about work. <sighs> um, I think that, you know, a lot of times my son just graduated from college. Travis. And I felt like mm-hmm. Travis, yeah, throughout his college years, you know, I was, which I love because it was a time that I was just becoming a full-time entrepreneur while he was in school. But I think that I missed out tapping in emotionally a lot, a lot to my family while I've been building the finance bar. So all of that is, you know, a sacrifice. And while it may look pretty to many people on the outside, you know, I'm sure that you ladies may agree that entrepreneurship can also be a very lonely journey. Ooh, tell Ooh. me that. it. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: a very the, long
1: journey. That's so the thing nobody talks about. And people don't no get your struggles. You know, people are like, well, must be nice to wake up when you want. And it's like, yeah, but I have to chase these invoices. Yeah, yeah, I don't wake you're, up when I want you. Do, especially,
2: <laughs> when you're, especially when you're starting, right? It's like, you're your own accountant. You're your own assistant. You're your own. It's yeah. like, name a thing that happens in your business. You do all of it. And yes. because you're doing something that nobody else is doing, you don't have anybody to talk to about yeah. all the things that happen and in like your And like
0: Masha said, Sometimes having a full time job at the same time as launching your own business. Wow, yeah. Is a sacrifice in itself. It
2: is. It really
0: is. Well, what's your vision for the future of the finance bar?
3: The, the vision for the future is I would love to have more buses, you know, in some of my, in the local cities, um, I'll maybe like to franchise one, one day, some of the buses, but long-term, that's what I visualize. And then continuously growing my members club, because in the members club, I think it's a way to bring a lot of women together at one time in a community that's online. So both of those is my long-term vision, continue to grow the members club. And then on the other side of that, continue to launch the buses in cities that again, may not be receiving this information at all -hmm. Um, that's why I want to keep my focus
1: and what about your personal vision so you said your business vision what about your personal vision is there a vacation on the horizon yeah listen I've learned a long
0: time ago that as hard as we work we have to give a a vacation as part of work because you 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 need that
2: unplug you're gonna
1: to rest your brain for a minute yeah so it's that personal vision
3: my personal vision is I would have to say that in 2018, I want to get in several vacations. My, 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 yes. 20th, my 20th wedding anniversary just was in May. Oh, yes. the- Congrats. So, I, so now I think that I have this thing under control. Now I can kind of focus on getting back to vacationing and a lot of other things that I truly enjoy doing.
1: Well, you no, know, I, like, I'm all about frugal travel, so I'm yeah. ready to help you plan that financially fab vacation. I'm all about points. <laughs> yes, maximizing <laughs> everything. And you and your husband deserve it. Her husband also has definitely been there. I remember our first event, he was there, and he's just always there as supportive and on the bus, too. So, yeah,
0: yeah. he's working, too. He needs a vacation, too. There. And Marcia, yeah. don't you take that bus on vacation with you, okay?
2: It's going to drive the bus coast to coast. Right. That's not a vacation. That's not a vacation. Thank you so much for joining us, Marsha. We really appreciate it. Can you tell us where we can find out more about you and your work?
3: Yeah. So the website is thefinancebar.com and then all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, The Finance Bar also.
2: Wonderful. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you. So y'all, this is all the time that we have this week. For more information on navigating marriage and money, visit letstarttoday.com.
0: Now continue to send us those questions send us those comments on social use that hashtag live colorful with two L's at the end of colorful and we may use them on an upcoming episode but you could also email us at colorful again two L's colorful lives at gmail.com or you can always leave us a voicemail so we can hear your lovely voice on the colorful lifeline at 646-580-0576
1: and if we use your question we will send you a copy of my new book The Money Manual and as a special thank you we'll have new episodes Episodes dropping every Wednesday all summer long. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud to be the first to hear brand new episodes. And don't forget to visit StateFarm.com/backslash/ColorfulLives. That's two L's to catch the finance bar in her bus, Maggie in action.
2: Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a Loudspeakers Studios production. Our executive producers are Matt Raz and Chris Murrow. The show is engineered and edited by Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other loudspeakers, Speakers podcast. Follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Instagram.